Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, how you doing, Palmer? <laughs> how you doing, Palmer? Okay, we'll see how this goes. Um, just got to know something about me personally. Um, I'm originally from the South, and if I don't hear some feedback, I just keep going because I don't think you got what I was saying yet. Um, so how you doing, Palmer? Yeah. We'll go with that. Um, hey, uh, I, I just want you to know a couple things right off the bat here, um, both in first service, uh, but even more so in this service, um, to the worship team, wherever they're at, um, I just want to say... That was just right. Like, there was something precious, if a guy can use that word, and not like in the precious moments, figurines sort of way, but like something precious about that. So thank you. And then um, I, Pastor Chris and Lori, we've known each other for a minute. Um, and I would just say, uh, in our organization, we have this um, set of values. Um, they have a bunch of different things on there. But one of our values is the value of resiliency. I don't know that I've ever met anyone in my life who is more resilient than Pastor Chris, like in a really genuine and authentic way. It's not like I'm going to pretend like I'm hopeful or pretend like I'm expectant. He like really is, even when you're thinking, what is there to be hopeful for? And he's like, we're going to die someday and we'll be with Jesus. We might even be tortured and get more jewels in our crown. Isn't that awesome? Like just so much genuine hope and enthusiasm for the church. I love that about him. What I don't like is that he's 97 and he looks like he's 30 still. But other than that, um, man, um, this is a day that I've been waiting for, we've been waiting for um, as staff, our board, our elders. There has been years of conversation and then months and months and months of preparation. And so um, in our next few moments together, I'm going to unpack a lot of that for you, but I'm actually not getting into the nitty-gritty details until the very end, so don't leave. Um, but I want to start here. I want to start with lemon pie lessons. My um, wife, many of you may not know this, but I know this, and this is well known in our household, that my wife is a phenomenal cook. We can, there we go, cook and baker. Um, but there's a specialty that she has, and it is lemon pies. In fact, they're usually only cooked on special occasions, but here about three or four nights ago, I came home and I opened up the fridge and I saw a lemon pie sitting there, gleaming with the Shekinah glory off of the LED lights in the refrigerator, and I was excited. I didn't say anything about it because I didn't know why it was in there, but we sat down, we ate dinner, and then after dinner, the lemon pie came out. And, um, you know, this isn't normal for me, but I must not have been paying attention to what Kitri was saying because I missed the entire conversation, all I know is that the next thing I knew, there was some lemon pie sitting in front of me. The girls and Kitri were all around the table, and I heard Kitri say this, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. And I was like, hooray? Like, 
Hooray for lemon pie. I had no idea what she was cheering for. I had missed the entire conversation. Turns out she was cheering for one of our girls because two of our girls have been in a race of sorts. I don't know how you actually race in this race other than like being put on a stretch table or something, but they were racing to see who would surpass mom's height first. Now, I know in the Garland house, that probably isn't a big challenge, um, but <laughs> in our house, they had to get past being five. Um, and so, so they had been in this race for quite some time, and one of the girls had officially won the race. In fact, this is in our pantry. Um, you can see right there, the redacted names um, are not to protect her. They're actually to protect me, because I told our girls years ago, if I use your name in a sermon from the platform without your permission, I have to pay you $5 every time I say your name. So I was like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, so, um, but, but Katie, Katie won the race. She passed Kitri. And here was the thing. Kitri was celebrating the fact that Katie had passed her. I've been chewing on it ever since then, not just the lemon pie, but a thought that I've been chewing on ever since then. Good leaders celebrate when others pass them. They celebrate when that next generation is taking over and stepping up and stepping into every... And their genuine hope is that they exceed them by miles and their gifting and calling and passion. And my wife was celebrating that Katie had passed her. I think one of the real challenges, though, anytime you're looking into next seasons is dealing with growing pains. But as they say in the gym, no pain, no gain. Or as the rest of us say outside the gym, no pain, no pain. <laughs> Pastor Chris, thank you. Growing pains always accompany growth. They show up in all kinds of different forms in different ways. They're, they're actually worth celebrating. Thinking about my girls, like they've had joint pain over the years as they are growing. They're devouring more food than I thought girls were supposed to eat. Um, and, but they've had these growing pains along the way, and yet they're cheering for them because they're taking them somewhere. I'll never forget 2017, I was getting to run with a couple of really good friends of mine, um, Luke Epperson and Wampa Martinez, and we've been running together for a few years. We were all three part of a central leadership team, and in 2017, we were at a conference down in the lower 48. We were in San Jose, and um, as we were at the conference, there were lots of pastors and teachers, but pastors of really large churches, guys like Craig Grishel and others. And we were sitting in the sessions with all of these other pastors and leaders from around the country. And at one point, I remember Craig Grishel saying, um, listen, you need to look around at your team and just recognize that as you grow, the people you're running with now, you will probably not be running with five years from now. And I remember after the session, Luke and Wampa and I all getting together and being like, he doesn't know us. He doesn't know how tight we are. He doesn't know the dreams that we have for the future, the plans that we have for the future. And, and more often than not, it has nothing to do with bad relationships. It has to do with seasons of life and healthy times. And it wasn't much longer. It was actually in 2019 that 
Luke was no longer part of our team, and now he's serving with an international ministry working in war-torn countries and specifically working with children who have experienced trauma in the midst of war. In fact, I was just texting with Luke this past week, and I can tell you what exists between us is real friendship and real affection for one another. I miss you. I miss you too. When can we ever see each other again? But we just came into a new season of life. And then fast forward to 2020, and Wampa Martinez abandoned me for that cheap little organization called World Vision, like they have anything to offer. They had been trying to recruit him back ever since he left and came to Alaska to Church on the Rock, and, and this was the season. This was the time. And he's still one of my closest friends. I remember thinking in that season, God, I felt like I had this team that I was running with. It takes years to build trust and relationship and the sort of foundation and identify gifting and all of those kinds of things. I just don't know how we're going to get back there again. And all of a sudden, it was just Kitri and I and Chris and Lori all by ourselves. We've been running together for a while now. In fact, we've run together through a lot of things over the years. Which brings me to running with horses. My mom contacted me here quite a while ago, and, and I've had this thought running through my head that where there's no pressure, there's probably no progress. My mom calls me out of the blues a couple of years ago, and um, I can tell you exactly where I was on the road driving home from the office. You ever have those moments like something is so distinct that the Lord speaks to you or that somebody contacts you and you receive some information? This just happened to be one of those moments for me, a defining moment for me. My mom called, and if you know my mama at all, I mean, like, she's Southern, she's very outspoken, Um, she has an opinion about everything. And my mom called me and she said, Jonathan, I don't want to hurt your feelings, which is always a great way to start. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but God laid a passage of scripture on my heart for you. I'm not going to tell you what it says. I'm just going to give you an address for it and you can go and find out what it says. I'm like, okay, mom, go for it. So so she gives me the address and Jeremiah and, um, and, and I... Fortunately, in my ADHD brain, the three minutes it took to get home, I still remember the passage when I got home. I got home and I looked it up, and this is what it says in Jeremiah 12, verse 5. If you have run with infantrymen and they have tired you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket by the Jordan? It was like instantly I heard the Lord speaking to me and saying, Jonathan, I know you're tired. I know you've been running hard for a few years, but I want you to understand something. You're actually in preparation. And if you will receive this season, this pressure for what it actually is, you can make progress in the midst of it. It fundamentally changed how I view difficult situations. I began to view them as opportunities to walk things out in the way that Christ calls me to walk them out, to walk into those seasons with grace and compassion, to repent when I get it wrong. But I fundamentally in that moment was convinced that the sovereign God of all the universe wanted me to learn how to run with horses. 
And if I was worn out running with the infantrymen, sorry, army guys, but I would never be able to run with the tanks. I would never be able to run with the army of God in the way he's called me to run. He was training me to run with horses, and every challenge was an opportunity to learn how to. It's actually true of you also. Otherwise, if I'm worn out in the flat plain of peace, if I've settled for status quo and I can't handle the battle that goes on in the thicket at the edge of the Jordan River, that's where I'm called to fight. That's where I'm called to run. And God was preparing me, preparing you, I believe, to run with horses. Which brings me to 21 days. Over the 21 days of prayer and fasting, I had a particular passage of scripture, I shared it briefly with you last week, that the Lord just like impressed on my heart. I couldn't get out of this passage of scripture. And as I chewed on it and thought about it and prayed into it, it was actually really within the past um, maybe week and a half. I just want you to know the past week has been one of the longest years of my life. But in the past week and a half, it's really become clear to me that there are some things that the Lord is doing, and this passage came back to mind, Isaiah 40. It's probably familiar to you as you read through it because it's also quoted again in Luke, speaking of Jesus, the coming Messiah, and John the baptizer will declare this prophetic passage there. Here's what it says. Listen! I love when there's exclamation marks. People never yell them like they're supposed to be. It should be a little more aggressive than that, but, you know, it's early. It's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then, then, after then, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. I actually believe that the Lord intends to do that over and over and over again, all over the world, but right here in the Matsu Valley as well, that he intends to see mountains leveled and valleys raised up and things that were crooked made straight again because what he desires to do is march in with his glory so that we could experience, experience it in ways maybe we never have before. And I actually believe in this season, it's what he is doing and he's inviting us to join him in doing it. And I don't know about you, I would love to see the glory of God on full display all over the Matsu Valley. And I believe we've been invited to play a part in that with his church. So we've looked at Vision 2024. We sort of parked in this passage, Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. There's other ways to say it. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Like in the days of the kings, nobody was speaking prophetically to the people that this is where we're going. This is what we're called to be. This is what we're going to accomplish. We need those voices. Otherwise, everyone just does whatever's right in their own eyes. 
What's interesting about that declaration in Kings is it doesn't say everyone did what was wrong in their own eyes. It says everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And you know what I've discovered over the years is that often my reasons for doing things seem to be really good reasons, but it doesn't make it right. What we actually need is someone speaking out prophetically that we are far from finished and our best days are ahead, that we're invited to join the sovereign God of all the universe and his church accomplishing extraordinary things for a kingdom that is advancing, never retreating, that cannot be stopped. That's his church. Which, of course, raises the question, then where are we going? And I'm so glad you asked that question because we're going somewhere. In fact, in a general sense, we're actually pressing further into things we've contended for for many, many years. We're, we're actually moving in three directions. We're moving upward, we're moving inward, and we're moving outward. Here's what I mean by that. We're continuing to move upward in worship to God, creating opportunities through celebration services or education or service in the church. We're actually moving upward in our ability to express extravagant worship to God creating space for that, making opportunity for that. We're moving upward, but we're also moving inward in relationship and unity with one another. I mentioned this last week, but if you really have a high value for the anointing of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, for the Spirit of God to show up, for the Holy Spirit to show up, if you really desire it, he tells you exactly where it resides. It resides in the place where brothers and sisters dwell Together in unity, authentic unity, real unity. We're going to participate in life groups and small group environments and personal disciple making, but what we recognize is that if we're going to run together, we actually have to learn how to run together, which requires humility, it requires honoring one another, it requires unity when all is said and done. And then we're moving outward. We're moving outward towards the lonely, the lost, and the looking. We're going to continue to press even further and deeper into our communities with community engagement, offering the things that Jesus has to offer to those who are lonely, who are looking, and are lost. We've been doing that for a long time, but we're actually going to get much more intentional about it across all of our campuses in the coming year. There are actually some really unique ways that I think we can participate in our community, putting the love of Christ and the life of Christ on display. And the fundamental question for years for me has been this. If Church on the Rock closed its doors, would anyone outside of Church on the Rock even care? And the answer to that question has to be a resounding yes if we believe the message of the gospel is for everyone out there. Thank you, Pastor Chris. I was going to elaborate on that point because I thought maybe they can get it, but I'm going to just assume. Here we go. So how are we getting there? Give you several ways. First of all, we're raising up leaders for the future. At Church on the Rock, our MO over the years has been we look around and we say, who has God already placed here? Who has he already put in our campuses that he has unique gifting and calling and passion that is in those individuals? And we get to invite them up. And I love it. 
when it's people I haven't even met yet, but Jonathan Garland brings them to me. He's like, you got to meet this couple. Did you know that I was introduced to the Garlands as a potential for future leadership at Church on the Rock by Chris Miller? He actually wanted them here. I stole them and took them to Central with me because I saw the level of gifting and experience and I knew our church needed it, but I actually had no idea who they were. We are continuing to do that. I want Ryan Statton to know that I'm coming after him. The fire department doesn't need him anymore, but we could sure use him in some roles here. Like I'm just looking around, and we're always looking for people that God has already placed in our church. And how could we raise those leaders up? And what you actually have to do to raise those leaders up is you have to create space for them to be risen up into. The other thing we're doing is equipping our current leaders so that they can succeed at the things that God's called them to do. Over the years, I think we've grown in our ability to recognize our weaknesses. You have to understand, we have campuses in Talkeetna, and we have campuses in Willow. Those are remote locations. In fact, Talkeetna had a cat for a mayor. A cat is dead now, and they have no mayor. Um, I don't know which is better or worse. Uh, I just know that the Willow Billies have their own unique community. I can say Willow Billy because I lived in Homer, and we were Homeroids. So Willow Billy's way better than that. But God's doing something in that community. I, I can just tell you in their last transition, which was a challenging one, the church grew. They went from one service to two services and are packing that place out right now. Like God's doing really good stuff in that community. But how do we equip and care for and resource the leaders that we already have in place? The third thing is this, freeing leaders so they can lead well. There are things that we should be raising people up and taking off of someone else's plate so they can actually get after the things they're supposed to be doing. And then lastly, positioning leadership. And this is critical. And this is what we're going to be talking about for the next few moments. Positioning leadership for the next 10 to 15 years for Church on the Rock. We believe our elders, our board, our campus pastors, our staff, that God has laid out a plan in front of us over the next 11 months that has the possibility, the potential, the promise of positioning us with leadership to run hard into the next 15 years of everything God has here. And I could not be more excited about it. In fact, I would tell you this, and if you know me at all or you spent any time around me, I'm just telling you, exactly what I think and how I feel. I have never been as excited as I am right now with everything else going on. Never been more as excited as I am right now about the future for our church. I love our elders. I love our board, Rusty and Lynn and Wolf and Kathy and Michael Gonzalez is on our board and uh, Chris and Lori and the Garlands. I'm just telling you, you could ask any of them. They all know this to be true and they've all known where we're going for months and months and months as we've been planning and preparing to unveil these things today. But first, I want to talk about the distinction between calling and career, because they're different things. In fact, in pastoral ministry, you actually need, you must have a sense of calling versus this is a career path. I tell young pastors all the time that if you think you're launching on a career path, you should rethink your options. Because this career path actually leads one direction specifically. It leads you to a cross. It's the promise of pastoral ministry. And if you don't embrace that and own that from day one, you have set yourself up for bitterness, disappointment, and anger. It is a calling to come 
and die. And the reward is that you get to see your life being laid down so that someone else could discover the resurrection life of Jesus in their own lives. And what actually happens when you believe that this is a calling from God, like I couldn't be satisfied doing anything else. I took a sabbatical a few years ago. I thought going into the sabbatical, like I'm going to fall in love with doing nothing. About two months in, I was like, when do I get to get back to telling people the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reality is, and I tell young pastors this, if you can think of anything else that you would be satisfied and happy and delighted in this season of life doing, please go do it. Because the promise of this is to follow Jesus into his sufferings for the sake of others experiencing his redemption. It has its own joy, but don't misunderstand the call. Paul, Paul did not misunderstand the calling. In fact, Paul is bent on getting to Jerusalem. He's taken off, and he's stopping to see all of the believers along the way because he knows when he gets to Jerusalem, what he's heard from the Lord is that things might not go so well. And as he's stopping in each of these communities, each community is begging him not to go to Jerusalem. They're prophesying over him that he should not go to Jerusalem, and yet Paul is keenly aware that he has said yes to a calling that has nothing to do with what his personal preferences are. And so here he is in one community. He says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. That would be fine if we just didn't know. It's a surprise. He knows this, though, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. I don't know what waits for me, but I do know there's some jail and suffering like, I know that's coming, and it isn't stopping me. It's exactly what I'm being invited into. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. He hops in a boat. He heads to the next community. He's in that community for several days, and he's about to leave that community, and the same thing happens. A prophet comes to him. A man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own hands with it and his feet. Then he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on. To Jerusalem. I think we should actually do this as like an initiation practice for anyone who's stepping into pastoral ministry at Church on the Rock. Like we should take their belt, you know, and, and then bind our own hands and feet with it and say, you need to understand the promise in front of you is suffering. Because <laughs> you need to understand something. It isn't a career path. It's actually a calling path. There isn't a ladder to climb in. The next thing may appear to be, in everyone else's eyes, a lesser thing. A call to suffer. But it's actually the fundamental call of every follower of Jesus, not just pastors. The invitation from Jesus is, if you want to be my disciples, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Here's Paul's response, but he said, 
Why all this weeping, you crybabies? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. You might be qualified to be a pastor. That's the reality. In fact, when people come to me, every now and then I want to have a pity party. Uh, my wife is not real good at pity parties. She makes no lemon pies for me. I can tell you that much. She's like, buck up, buttercup. Like, but when, I, when people come to me and they're like, I just know you have to navigate so much and you've got so much pressure and I just feel bad for you. I usually just stop them and say, please don't. I said yes to this. It's got a ton of joy built into it. Like I get to celebrate really good things with a lot of amazing people and a lot of amazing leaders. But it's a cross also. And I said yes to it on day one, and I'm saying yes to it today. Let's go. And for the joy set before us, we could endure anything so that others could experience the redemptive work of Jesus. It's why we don't defend ourselves. It's why we don't go on the attack. It's why we just keep saying yes over and over. We're going to follow Jesus. What comes next? Well, 11 months, one restructure, three successions, and Lord willing and the creek don't rise, zero more departures. I'm confident of this. Nothing but the facts, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Over the next 11 months, we are going to experience one restructuring in our organizational flow. And it's actually going to be um, with my hobbit friend, Pastor Jonathan Garland, right over here. Here's what I tell you. I, I can tell you where I was. Um, well, I won't tell you where I was because it's where I moose hunt. But I was sitting on the bank of the river two moose seasons ago, three moose seasons ago. And I was just, um, I was whining to the Lord a little bit. I was saying, Lord, you took Luke Epperson away from me. You took Wampa Martinez away from me. Two of my best friends in the world, two insanely gifted people, two people I really love. We run together for a long time, and I just don't know if I have another seven years in me to see those gaps filled back up. It had been a lot of work over those seven years. And, and I just felt like so clearly the Lord made this commitment to me. Jonathan, it will not be another seven years. You will be surprised at how quickly I fill up what is lacking. And I can just tell you, I've worked with people for a long time. I've seen a lot of leaders come and go. But Jonathan Garland has uniquely been used by the Lord to fill up something that was lacking and to genuinely lift a load for me so that I could run after the things that I'm supposed to be running after. I can do the other stuff. I'm just terrible at it. And everyone suffers as a result. But there is not a shadow of doubt in my mind that God put us together in relationship and in ministry and gifting. And so I'm going to be handing off all the things I hate to him I'm just kidding. I'm going to be handing off lots of things that he's actually good at, and he'll actually um, dispel those things to other leaders and see those leaders raised up. But I'm getting to hand a bunch of things off. We don't have an exact date yet, but it's as soon as, 
is appropriate for me. I'm like, let me give you these. And he's going to knock it out of the park. People are going to feel like they're communicated with better. Decisions are made more quickly. We've got policies in place that protect relationships because that's the only reason policies matter to me at all is the protection of relationship that they can provide. He's going to step into all of those things. And I am, for the first time in 10 years, going to be completely free to go after the things I'm uniquely called to do, I'm uniquely gifted at, and I'm uniquely passionate about. That's the first one. But we also have three successions coming up. And this is the one you've been waiting probably to hear. Maybe you've heard the scuttlebutt. And like, it's true. You need to know that Pastor Chris and Lori have been in conversation with me. We've had this conversation for many years now. It's always been an open conversation. It is with any of our pastoral staff. You just tell me where you're at, what's going on in your life, and we can talk about anything. Right? We don't have to be afraid of next seasons, but I want to be really clear, and you're going to hear from Pastor Chris next week when um, they share their story and their journey with you over these past several months and years. But when you have leaders who have a level of maturity that they are self-aware enough to know, it's time for a change for us because we love this church. That is Chris and Lori. And they came and they said, listen, we sense the Lord is doing something. So we want to start this conversation, which means we need to begin looking for who the right people are to step in. And, and I have to be entirely honest with you. Um, when I discovered, after Chris and Lori had met with them, after Jonathan Garland had brought them up to me, when I discovered the level of sheer joy and the confidence in Chris and Lori that Josh and Audra O'Donnell were the right people for Palmer, I was already set. I was like, if you guys, right, you know this campus, you know them. They met with them a couple of times, and they're like, we believe this is the couple. They've got the vision for the future where God wants to take us. And here's what you need to know. Chris and Lori aren't going anywhere. Let me say it again. Chris and Lori aren't going anywhere. Pastors hate this word. At least pastors worth their salt hate this word. Retirement because it sounds like dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> retirement's heaven. That's what it is if you're called to preach the gospel. Like, but, but they are stepping into a new season, and they're not going anywhere. They're going to continue serving right here at Church on the Rock. It just means that I get access to Chris's gifting and passion in the area of preaching, and some of our other campuses get to see the fireball Chris Miller show up and bring the word up in Talkeetna. He'll light that whole town on fire, I'm just telling you. But we actually have every confidence that God is calling us to continue to run together, but in different ways. And what they're saying is it's time for us to make some lemon pies. It's time for us to celebrate what the next season has, which means we have to create space for it. And I'm just telling you, that is the whole story. I don't know what you've heard or what people will say, but pick up the rug, open up the closet. There aren't any skeletons in it, but it's about four months away, so you'll get to make your own observations and come to your own conclusions. I'm just telling you, you'll hear the same thing from them next week. I love these guys. I'm actually watching them in this season because this season is coming for me too, eventually. Hopefully it's when I'm 90 like Chris, but, <laughs> but there's real relationship and real affection, and here's what you need to know. All of this over here is not even remotely connected to this. We have been walking this out together for a really long time, and I am 100% confident that Jesus 
is actually in all of it and moving and shaking his church. The second one is actually at the Wasilla campus. I don't get to be there today. I decided to be here with you guys, um, so they're watching me on video. It's always weird. Uh, but my wife is over there. But two of my girls came here with me today. Pastor Chris had made a comment at one of our elders' meetings. He said, um, he said I was so encouraged seeing your daughters there with you last Sunday. And so I went home, and I just told my girls, I said, I just want you to know, you really encouraged Pastor Chris by just being here. And so last night, they came to me, and they said, well, if it's encouraging to that pastor guy, <laughs> his name's Chris, if that's encouraging to that pastor, can we go back with you again today? And so they did. They came with me again today. But Josh and Audra stole them, and they actually went home to see, well, Josh is still here. They went home to see Macy um, in the second service, so that they only half cared. But still, they love you. Um, but Pastor Paul and Emily Sliwa, they're going to be stepping into the campus pastor role at the Wasilla campus. Um, Kitri and I will still be at the Wasilla campus. That's our home campus. That's where my girls serve. That's where Kitri serves. Um, but the reality is that they need the next 10 to 15 years of leadership to step in now. And Paul and Emily and I have been in conversation for years. I've seen this potential. There's a really unique piece, if you know our story at all. There's a redemptive element of what God is doing in this couple, and I know they are going to push that campus forward. I'll still be preaching at that campus and relationship at that campus, but they're stepping in in this next season, and that'll be somewhere around um, mid-September, that that takes place. And then the third succession is actually Pastor Dale um, and Frankie at the Willow Campus. Dale and Frankie stepped in in a really challenging season there and brought astounding stability. If you know Dale and Frankie at all, Shillington, um, they are just some of the most steady, eddy people you'll ever meet, and they have been in pastoral ministry in the state of Alaska all over the state for decades They've raised children who still love the Lord and love them. Like, they are not going anywhere either. They are stepping out of vocational ministry, and they want to be available to the church for preaching, for serving, for um, uh, nurturing and equipping our pastoral staff. That's what's happening with Dale and Frankie. And we've been wondering if Josh and Audra were not the people for Willow, because as soon as they heard about what God was inviting them into in Palmer, they had the same response as Chris and Lori. They were like, God is calling us to do this. And so Josh and Audra are stepping out there, and we have until about December, Dale and Frankie have made a commitment, and we've already been in conversation. They've already met with our elders, um, but we are confident now that um, John and Lexi Aho are actually the couple to be stepping in there. They are from Willow. They live in Willow. They are Willow Billies, if you've ever met any, and they love that church. They've been serving for a long time, and they've been preparing themselves, and they have this sense of calling that God is inviting them to step in there. So I want to remind you of, the reason we're saying all of this right now is because we want to give you the opportunity to watch over the next four months, the next seven to eight months, the next nine to ten months, and you see for yourself if everything we're saying isn't exactly what is happening. We felt like, as a church, as board and elders and our staff, we felt like if we fundamentally believe these things are all in the Lord's timing, they're all uniquely good, and we've navigated some not-so-good things over the years, but if we believe these are fundamentally good, then let's just say it all at once. 
tell you where we're going over the course of this next year, and then you get to watch us walk out real relationship, real honor, real affection for one another as we celebrate each season that's coming. And here's what I know with 100% confidence, that if you stick around, you'll get to watch us walk this out in a way maybe you've never even seen before. It doesn't always go this well, but we actually believe the Lord is in all of these things. So what is not happening? Pastor Chris and Lori are not leaving. They're still serving and preaching. Pastor Dale and Frankie are not leaving. They're still serving and preaching. Pastor Jonathan and Kitri are not going to stay in Alaska during the winter. They're going to Hawaii every winter. No, I'm kidding. Kitri and I aren't going anywhere. We're staying right here. We have no sense, and I would just say it to our elders and then to you if I felt like God was calling us to do something else. But we actually feel like we're exactly where we're supposed to be. If you were asking me where I want to be, man, Homer feels like home to us. But we know God brought us here for such a time as this. And we have no sense that he's taking us anywhere else. And Jesus is still on the throne. Because when all is said and done, we have a name for our church, but we aren't the church. We're part of the church. And the church belongs to Jesus. And Jesus is not wringing his hands trying to figure out how to solve all the problems. From his vantage point, they're already solved. From his vantage point, all the right answers are already there. And our job is to listen and discern and to join him in what he's doing in his church. Because I don't build the church. Jesus does. The moment any pastoral leadership believes they are the linchpin to the church is the moment they are irrelevant to the church as leadership. It's always been his church. It always will be his church. Churches and names and brand will come and go, but his church is unstoppable. And for as long as he allows us, I want to continue to join him in what he's doing in the world. So here it is. I'm going to lay down the gauntlet for you. I had to look it up. I didn't know if a gauntlet was something you went through or it was something that you laid down. Turns out it's both. Um, so I'm talking about the lay it down gauntlet, the medieval metal glove that the fighters would take off and they'd throw on the ground in front of someone and they'd say, I dare you. Or as we said when I was a teenager not that long ago, I double dog dare you, because just dog dare or dare were nowhere near sufficient. I double dog dare you. I'm going to throw down the gauntlet. I'm going to dare you to stick around for the next four months the next seven to eight months, the next nine to ten months, and you decide for yourself if what we've described isn't exactly what takes place and that you would discover that Jesus is still on the throne and he is at work in his church and we have the joy and the privilege of joining him in what he's doing in the world. So there you go. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the whole story. Next week, you get to hear more details about the story because Pastor Chris and Lori are going to be sharing their journey over the past few years. And here's what I would say to you. Show up next week. Invite both your friends out next week, especially people who have never watched something healthy transpire. And I just have every confidence that what they're going to describe to you next week is a couple of people who understand the season that they're in, and they've invited all of us to watch them 
walk it out. So, Pastor Chris, would you come share yes. with the church? Uh, McKenna, worship team, you guys can come out as well. Pastor Jonathan, excellent. Thank you. Can you thank him today for, for really laying that out for us? So well done. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I marvel at what God is doing across our four campuses. We're, we have a group of young couples, all four campuses, being positioned this year for the next 10 to 15 years of Church on the Rock to move us into the future. That is so unique. That is like a supernatural event because that is hard to do, and only Jesus can pull that off. So I just scratch my head over that and say, Lord, how'd you do this? Um, churches would love for that, something like that. You're always looking for your tomorrow. How are you going to get there? You know, how are you going to move there successfully and, and, uh, and really uh, seize the day? And you have to have good leaders to do that. You have to be, have people at the really right age in the right place in the right season. So next week, uh, Lori and I, uh, we're excited. We are going to hear from both of us about the journey that we have been on the last couple of years. Yes, it's true. You may have heard out there somewhere that we're leaving you. No, we're not. Not going anywhere. Uh, this is home. You're our family. We have uh, roots here, and we love Palmer. Love Church on the Rock. And so uh, we're going to share with you the season that we're moving into. There is a shift, a new season for us. And we know 100% that it's the Lord. It's been his doing. You just need to be sensitive to it. Now, you're going to experience new seasons in your life. You will. How are you going to navigate those seasons? And that's something we really want to dive into next week, is how do you move to, through a new season in your life in a healthy way? And I believe the Lord has a lot for all of us next week. So we're going to invite you back next week to hear our story, our journey. I think you'll be blessed. You'll be excited for us and the church, and the future that we have here. Uh, Josh and O'Donnell, I mean, Josh and Audra O'Donnell. That's always a tongue twister for me for some reason. But anyway, they're going to be joining us uh, a few months before the transition actually happens so we can walk together and you'll have lots of opportunity to get to know them as well. Great people. He's preached here already several times. Let's stand together. And... Uh, Again, invite, come back next week and bring a friend so they can discover how to move into the new season in their life in a really healthy way. But Kenny, you want to lead us in the closing song? All right. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.